Uh, it's really good to be with you here at Cornerstone. Uh, those who are worried that John Russell's not looking quite so good on his sabbatical, uh, my name is George Hawkins, and I am pastor at Beeston Free Church, and it is good to be with you today. Uh, we're going to pray together before we come and look at Psalm 5. Uh, Father, thanks so much that uh, you know our stories. Uh, you know everyone in this room. Uh, you know things that have been challenging us this week. You know difficult words that we've heard. Uh, you know the people who came in fighting. Uh, Lord, you know the people who've come in and they're barely hanging on in life. Lord, you know our stories. And so we thank you that you do come by your word to speak to us through your spirit. And that's our prayer this morning, that you would do that. Speak into our hearts, our lives, our situations. Uh, remind us again of who you are and what you've done uh, and all, that the, all the good news that there is for us in the Lord Jesus. And we pray those things in his name. Amen. Uh, as Brits, we're pretty obsessed by the weather, aren't we? Uh, I guess that's because it's so unpredictable for us. Uh, my wife and I were checking out what the weather was going to be sort of in an hour or so's time. Uh, looked at our phones, our two weather apps that we thought were exactly the same app. Both showed exactly different results for what the weather was going to be. Uh, we used to live in a part of the world where extreme weather was pretty common. So hurricanes were a real possibility. Now, we never experienced a hurricane ourselves, uh, but one day a tornado passed by pretty close to us, uh, and the advice when that tornado passed by was for us to go uh, into the, the central room of the house as far away as possible from any windows. So our family made our way into a little narrow corridor in our house, no windows at all, uh, and we waited for the tornado to, to pass by. Uh, we were very happy in that hour to give up our usual freedom to, to move about the house. And uh, we were glad when an hour or so later uh, the news came through, the tornadoes passed by, you're free to move. Uh, we were glad we had a place of refuge uh, in the house to go to. This morning, we're looking at Psalm 5. Uh, do have it open if you've got a Bible with you on your phone, or if you've got one of the church Bibles, you'll find it on page 544. We're looking at Psalm 5 and, and where to go to for refuge, where to, go, where to look for help when trouble comes, when we're under pressure, when attacks come from other people. Where do we find respite? Where do we find a place of shelter when the storms of life hit? Uh, because I don't know many of you, but I'm sure that many of us have faced difficulty. We may be in the middle of that, or we may be about to face it, or we've known it recently. Which of us hasn't dealt with some kind of pressure this past week? Which one of us hasn't known some words that really got below the surface and hurt us? Maybe a persistent situation with another person that grinds us down. Maybe unexpected news that came in this past Monday that just has really disturbed us. Maybe an email that gave us sleepless nights. Before we look at Psalm 5 together, this is the first, I think, in your series looking at the Psalms. So let me just kind of mark your card for a few things to look out for in the Psalms over these coming weeks. I want you to be looking out for the, the honest emotions that you find in the Psalms. Uh, one older theologian talks about the Psalms being the anatomy of the soul, and that there's not an emotion that we experience in life that we don't find in the Psalms. Sometimes as believers, we're not always too sure what to do with our emotions. But Psalms is a beautifully emotional book. 
the writers of the Psalms are honest about their feelings. So look out for the honest emotions. Look out as well for the various types of psalm that you might come across. There are hymns that are full of praise to God. There are psalms which give thanks to God or confess to him. One of the most common types of psalm is is a lament, which is one of our psalms today, Psalm 5, where the writer will pour out their distress to God uh, and they 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 will have an issue. There will be something that is really bothering them. They will cry out to God and then find renewed confidence in him. So look out for the various types of psalm. And then look out for the way that Jesus Christ shows up in the psalms. There'll be some psalms that very obviously point to him. There'll be some psalms that were sung and quoted by him. And others, like really all of the Bible, help us to know more about him. So I trust that this series in psalms will be helpful for you through this summer as you see their honest emotion, their variety, and their Christ-centeredness. Well, back to Psalm 5, that's going to be our focus today. How do we cope when life is tough, when people are against us? Where do we look for help? I want to show you three things to remember from this psalm when we're facing problems, when, when attack comes against us. First, we need to remember we've got someone to talk to. Have a look down at the first few verses. Well, I wonder why it is the Lord repeatedly puts us into situations where we feel under stress and out of our depth. Why does he do that? Well, at least partly so we're forced to stop the the foolishness of our thinking that we can do life on our own. Praying is that very simple act of saying to God, Lord, I need your help. And that's why David, the writer here, turns to God. He doesn't just sit and complain about what's going on. He doesn't moan or worry. He prays. Now, that's okay in theory, isn't it? I mean, probably most of us in the room know that prayer is a good thing to do. The reality is, we don't always do that. That's not always the place we turn to. I want you to notice a couple of simple things about David's prayer in these opening verses. I want you to notice the sense of urgency there is here. This sense that he must pray, and it's important he's heard. So listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help. It's not enough for David to flick open his diary and start to write in there about his issues. It's not enough for him to have a coffee with one of his friends and to share his troubles with them. Maybe he did those things as well, and they might well be helpful, but he talks to God. He's desperate for God to hear. Notice as well his quiet confidence as he prays. So verse 2, he prays to my king and my God. He speaks to somebody that he knows. For to you I pray, not anybody else, but to his God. All his eggs are in the basket of prayer to the Lord. And he's confident that he will be taken seriously, confident that when he speaks, God's not going to be there scrolling on his his phone, only kind of half listening to what's going on, but that God will give his full attention to him. So verse 3, in the morning, you hear my voice, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. He's expecting the Lord to hear. He's expecting the Lord to respond. So he's urgent in prayer and he's confident as he prays. Now we find that same pattern in the Lord Jesus himself. Luke's gospel particularly shows Jesus as a man of prayer. Luke 5.16 says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I mean, we, we might think this morning, well, 
Didn't Jesus just enjoy a kind of uninterrupted relationship with his God, with his Father? Perhaps he didn't need to pray at all, but actually prayer just flows out of Jesus. Prayer was the atmosphere of his life. Regularly through his ministry, and at times of real pressure, like the, the Garden of Gethsemane, for example, Jesus prayed. And Jesus was confident in his Father as he prayed. So John eleven forty one, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. So what does that mean for us this morning as we think about prayer? Well, if David turns to God in prayer, the anointed king does that. If Jesus prayed, if they both pour out their hearts to God, then we can do so as well. In fact, we must do so. The moment we begin to say, I can handle this situation myself, it is fine, I'll get through on my own, then we have lost our way. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Welsh preacher of last century, used to say that as Christians, we are all too healthy. What he meant by that is we think we can muddle by or we can get through on our own without God's help. And when we think that's the case, then we're in trouble. So have a think with me. What does your prayer life say uh, say? Uh, to you today if you did a little audit of this past week about the things that you prayed about and the things that are really bothering you the things that you're really wrestling with would they match up would they tie together or this morning do you have loads of things where you really need God's help but you just don't pray about them because you don't like to admit them Remember, we can have confidence as we pray. God hears us because he's our king, because he's our God. Even more than that, in Christ, he's our father. So why on earth would we not come to him as we are, knowing that we'll be heard? A few years back now, I tried a little experiment. I contacted Theresa May's office when she was then the prime minister to see if I could arrange to have a little chat about our church situation. I'm not quite sure what I was trying to achieve, but that's what, I, that's what I wrote to say. Several weeks later, I got back a nice letter saying that she appreciated my contact, but that she would be too busy to meet with, meet with me. I mean, no surprise at all. The surprise was I got a letter back at all. I mean, I'd have been shocked if I got an invite, not sure what I'd have done with it. But doesn't it highlight just how astonishing our access is to our Heavenly Father? I mean, we don't just get an audience with the Lord, say, I don't know, five minutes every year on our birthday or 15 minutes once in our lifetime. Our access is much more like the picture up on the screen. It's one of my favorite pictures of prayer. There's John F. Kennedy Jr. under the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office. His dad is the president there at the desk. And the Oval Office is where JFK Jr. used to go and play. Like, why could he do that? Well, because he was the son of the president. He had access. Guys, that's what we've got this morning, isn't it? We have access. We come in Jesus' name. We, we come in a name that opens up every door, allows us to pray, to come right into the throne room, allows us to talk in those personal pronouns, my king, my God, my father. We can come with the things that are weighing us down. We can come confident he hears us, confident that we can approach him. So first approach then to finding refuge, first approach to knowing respite in times of stress and pressure is remembering we've got someone to talk to. But second, 
It's remembering who God is, remembering who he is. As we face pressure, stress, difficulty, opposition, we need to remember who he is. Let's get into the main meat of David's words in verses 4 to 10. And what we see is David considering who God is, what he's like. So he remembers, for example, God's holy wrath. David is clearly facing evil and opposition, and he prays to his God and king because, as he says, verse 4, you're not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. In summary, what's he saying? He's saying, God, I know that you take sin and you take sinners immensely seriously. That you are strongly opposed to evil and to those who commit it. So David knows that when he comes to God to talk about the evil that's against him, and he particularly does that in verses 9 and 10, the Lord is not going to say back to him, oh, David, you're just making a bit of a mountain out of a molehill, or like David, like the world's just rotten, you've just got to deal with it. Like, move on. Don't you know I've got better things to be dealing with today? Now, David is confident in God's holy opposition to sin and that God will take sin against him seriously. God also remembers, uh, sorry, David also remembers God's steadfast love, verse 7. It's not that he's coming confident in his own goodness. That's not why he can come. It's because of the Lord's great love. Love that draws him into the temple. Love that prompts a reverence in him. He's confident in God's committed love to him. He's certain as he approaches God that God is not going to say, oh, you can't bother me today. I'm not really feeling that warm toward you today. He's confident in God's great love to him. He also remembers God's righteous direction, verse, verse 8. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness, which seems to mean, Lord, lead me in your righteous ways. You see, those kind of situations that come and press in upon us, if they don't crush us, sometimes, as we face attacks, those things will try and seduce us or lead us away from God. They will look to capture our hearts. David wants to walk on straight paths. He wants to be consistent. But he can't do that without the Lord's help, without his instruction. One more thing that David remembers is God's clear justice. Uh, we seem to be getting a bit clearer, closer to the detail of what David's been facing in verse 9 and 10. There's been, there's been difficult words against him, bad talk. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. He'd heard words of death in his life. Their throat is an open grave, verse 9. Do you remember that old saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words hurt far more deeply. Like David knew that for sure. And so David calls on the Lord to take action, to administer justice. Verse 10, declare them guilty, O God. In other words, Lord, please see justice done here. They're not only attacking me, but I know they're doing it because they've rebelled against you. So put all that together, what are we seeing here? As David feels the attack of his opponents, as he feels the unfairness of his situation, he remembers again the reality of who God is. God in his holiness, God in his love, God in his leading, and God in his justice. He needed not just to see the opposition that was coming against him, but he needed to see his God as well. So when you and I are feeling the heat this week, 
when we've felt painful words, perhaps even from those we love, when we've heard words of death that really stick in our hearts and we can't get rid of them, we need to come back to the fundamentals of who God is. Instead of simply listening to what is coming in against us, we've got to speak to ourselves about what God is like, to remind ourselves of the Lord, to preach the gospel to ourselves. Lloyd-Jones again, he used to say, our problem is that we listen to ourselves too much and we need to talk to ourselves more. We need to talk to ourselves about God's character, to do that even in prayer. I mean, we don't tell God about his character in prayer because he's kind of forgotten what he's like, do we? We do that to remind ourselves. Every time we put words words of truth in our prayers or in our songs, it's like medicine into our hearts. You see, our approach when feeling battered and wounded by words in particular is not to minimize the impact It's not to say, oh, I really shouldn't be bothered by that. Not to try and brush it all off and and pretend it doesn't hurt. Jesus didn't die on a cross for us to pretend. It's not to say, oh, I should be able to cope with all this. It's to remind ourselves that alongside those tough things going on, those tough things we're hearing, of the deep and rich reality of who God is. And especially that he is God for us. That he is for his people. That he's passionately for us. Now, I do want you to recognize there's two sides of this text. Because whilst we are the sinned against, we're also the sinner, aren't we? It's not that we can kind of look at verse 9 and just think, well, that's happened to me, but that's not true of me. In fact, Paul quotes uh, verse 9 in Romans 3 to say, this is us, this is all of us. All of us this morning have used words to injure other people, haven't we? You see, finding refuge with God is not us saying to God, oh Lord, I'm one of the good guys who's kind of kept their mouth clean and not said anything bad. Lord, you need to be defending me. It's us saying, Lord, I know the only reason I can ever even speak to you is because of your steadfast love. I know it's because your son faced the verbal attacks of other people. That he faced mockery and he faced insults and he faced lies even as he went to the cross. And yet he still prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. It's not that you and I can run to the Father today because we've lived really well. It's because Jesus has lived well. That's why we run to the Father. It's because of God's great love for us. It's because Jesus has said, I'm for him. And I've got her back. She's mine. And he belongs to me. That's why we run to the Father. That's why we can do that. So feeling battered and under pressure, what does this psalm encourage us to remember? First, to remember we've got someone to talk to. Second, to remember who God is. And thirdly, to remember especially God's protection. Have a look down at verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. And those of you who are, say, sort of 45 and over, I wonder if you remember taking cod liver oil as a kid. It was supposed to be the one kind of cure-all substance 
You know, you've got a cold, cod liver oil. You've got a rash, cod liver oil. Stomach upset, cod liver oil is a thing you need to take. Uh, I mean, you would take it even when you weren't unwell. Your mum always said it did you really, like, it did you good, but it tasted awful. It tasted terrible. But when mum says it's going to do you good, then there's no choice, is it? You have to down it. You have to take it. Now, we don't just go to God for help because we've got no choice. God's not like cod liver oil where we think he'll do us good even though we don't really want to go to him. No, it's a joy for us to do this. Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. We love his name, verse 11. Going to God is good. It's a safe place. It's the place we want to be. He's the God we love to know. Like, I hope you're not only a Christian today because, because you have to be, because to avoid punishment beyond death, we've got to be. We're Christians because knowing him as our refuge and our protector and our shield, that's a joy to us. We love knowing him. And one reason why is because the protection that we get from him is just so good. Verse 11 says, spread your protection over them. I don't know if you've ever got out of the shower and you've reached for the towel and you found that all that's left is some kind of tiny hand towel that will just about cover your head perhaps, but it's barely going to cover your blushes. You try to sort of wrap it around you as best you can as you race from the bathroom to the bedroom, but really it covers nothing properly. It's not going to get you dry. So much better, isn't it, if there's a nice bath sheet which wraps you fully round, gets you dry, covers all it needs to. That's the Lord's covering for us. Bath sheet protection is what we get. Full body wrap. Verse 12 says, you surround him with favor as with a shield. That word for shield is not like a little sort of hand shield that will cover a little bit, but full body size shield. In other words, it's full armor plating all around. Complete protection, front, back, and sides. What are, what are those images pointing to? They're pointing to the fact there's no gaps when you take refuge with the Lord. It's not kind of some things he will deal with, some things he'll take on, and then some things that are just gaps. Back to the bad weather for a moment. I wonder if you've ever taken shelter from a storm, say. You've been outside and you're sheltering under a big tree. I mean, not with lightning, of course, not with lightning. We know that, don't we? Not under a tree then. But let's imagine it's just raining and you get under a big tree and you shelter, but it's absolutely chucking it down. And the branches above, they do a pretty good job, but you still get a few drops coming down, don't you? A few coming through and landing on you. You don't stay fully dry. There's always gaps. When God gives refuge, it's not full of holes. It's top-to-toe coverage. It's complete comprehensive which does not mean that there won't be issues and it does not mean that things won't come at us and be painful I mean David is the writer of this psalm and he had many challenges we don't know when this took place in his life but if you know the story of David you'll know he faced lions as a shepherd he faced angry Philistines he faced a jealous king he had a contemptuous wife at one point he had a bitter son all of that but David knows that God has got him covered. God is with him. That, that God won't let David slip out of his grasp. That he won't let the opposition finally win. So that the darts thrown at him may hurt him temporarily, but they couldn't ultimately hurt him. 
and we can be just as certain of that, that nothing can touch us that is not coming through his nail-pierced hands to us. Nothing can come at you in this week ahead, whatever it is, that doesn't come first through his nail-pierced hands. Jesus himself lived under God's protection. If you read through the Gospels, you find that it wasn't just at the end of his life that um, his life was threatened. Several times people threatened to seize him or attack him, but he, he walked through the crowds. He just got away. And even as he's arrested, it's not that the enemies kind of, sort of finally trapped him. Do you remember when he was arrested, he said, don't you think I, could ask, I couldn't ask the Father for 12 legions of angels? I mean, it's a remarkable verse. Jesus could have had protection at any second from 12 legions of angels. I was reading in the Old Testament the other week about one angel that came and wiped out an entire army in the Old Testament, just one. So imagine how much protection 12 legions is giving. Jesus could have had all the protection he wanted, but he surrendered it all, didn't he? He gave up all of that protection. He lost protection from death even. He gave up his life. He surrendered to the grave. He lost his protection so that we might be shielded by his grace. You see, the biggest kid in the playground now is our older brother, our Lord Jesus. Whatever comes your way, he is our refuge and our safe place. As one pastor has put it, your worst case scenario is always resurrection and new creation. Christian, that's your worst case scenario, resurrection and new creation to come. Now the opposition will still keep coming. Some of you are going to face some really stinging words even this week. Some of you will face a situation that feels way beyond your capacity to handle. This is not a promise, this psalm, that there won't be challenges. There will be times when you feel under pressure, attacked, facing unfair or destructive words. But we have got someone to talk to. The Lord we pray to. And we know the character of God, the God who is so consistently for his people, the God who defends us. And he is the God who is our refuge and our safe place, who surrounds us so completely and so that nothing can ultimately touch us. The difficulties at times may be great. But friends, our God is greater than our difficulties. He's our refuge in each deep distress. Why don't we thank him for that right now? Let's pray. Let me just give you a moment to reflect on what God has been saying to you in his words, how what he wants you to do with that, uh, and then I'll pray. Father, we face many challenges. We're conscious that some of us are remembering things of this past week. Some of us will be hit by something out of the blue in the week to come. But we thank you, Lord, that you have invited us to speak with you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is consistent in his character, who defends his people, stands against unrighteousness. And we thank you above all that you are a refuge for us, that you, you protect us, you surround us. You bless the righteous. Lord, 
We're humbled by that because we recognize we're not worthy of that. But thank you for your great love that has come and drawn us to your son and shelters us under your grace. Lord, be with us and give us your grace this week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.